Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? My name is Aaron Brown, and you are now listening to Resilience in Action, the podcast. Computer. Perfect. Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Aaron Brown. I'm here with Jordan Norney, and this is Resilience in Action. Hey, Jordan, go ahead and give us a little background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Jordan Ernie. Uh, I am originally from Richmond, Virginia, born and raised. Uh, and now a graduate student here at James Madison University uh, in their master's in teaching program. I just recently graduated in December with my bachelor's in history uh, and hope to become a middle or high school history teacher. Kind of crazy, I know, but they need us very, very badly. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Perfect, perfect. So, okay, so Let's jump right in because I mean middle school, that's where that's your that's your target audience. Yeah. Six, that's your target yeah, the audience. Whole, the, whole, the, whole, the hormones are raging. Yeah, that's um that's what inspired you to want to um like middle school. What 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 inspired that? I've always kind of known I wanted to be a teacher, but like never really kind of fully like believed I could do it. Um, and it wasn't until I had a teacher in high school who kind of told me, well, why tell yourself you can't do something even if you haven't done it yet? And he kind of showed me that teaching is not just about teaching the subject. It's about being there for your students. And I think for me, like, it was a matter of, oh, you know, that's where it is. It's not just how well can I teach a subject? Can my kids get the, can they get the content? Can they pass the test? It's, can I make a difference in a student's life? And I've always said I never wanted to do, like, I've always said just high school, you know, because I'll be licensed to teach six through 12. So I have that flexibility. And I think part of why I kind of steered away from middle school for a long time was I didn't like middle school. I don't think anybody really likes middle school. <laughs> Let's be honest. It is the most awkward time in our life. Um, but it wasn't until I did a practicum at my community college where I had a really great middle school host teacher. I did a practicum this last fall with um, a phenomenal host teacher and phenomenal kids that really showed me that, you know, middle schoolers also need great teachers. I should never, I should not forfeit that option. I should not tell myself I'm not going to do it because at the end of the day, I will be licensed to do that. Whereas I have friends that are only licensed to teach middle school and I have major props for them, but I don't think I could ever just do middle school to know that I have flexibility of, okay, the middle school hormones I'm done with you I'm gonna to go to the high school because I love middle schoolers I loved my I loved my students last semester but the hormones are on a whole new level and they really mean it and I don't think I really realized it till I was in it and yeah. when you're living it you don't think about it because you're just trying to get through your life but when you're an adult looking at middle schoolers and just seeing just the wide fluctuation it's like oh yeah they they weren't lying to us the, the hormones are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have um, a teacher in middle school or high school that maybe stood out that maybe inspired you as well to like want to pursue teaching? Oh, absolutely. Um, the first main teachers that come to my mind uh, are Miss Coleman, who I had for seventh grade social studies. Um, she just, she made it come to life. She just made it so much more fun and exciting and really made me fall in love with history and social studies. Um, and then my freshman year history history teacher, Mr. Hannum, 
Um, and then I've obviously had other teachers along the way who've really helped pave the way like Mr. Farrell, Mr. Schumacher, all these other just teachers who really kind of have shown me the different qualities in which I hope to have. Because I think, you know, even though I am my own person, I think if I can take out some of those qualities that I really admired in my teachers, mm -hmm. then I'm doing something right. And so to know that I've had so many phenomenal teachers who've shown me the, the path in which I hope to be is really cool. And to know that I got to be back in seventh grade last semester, which is where I fell in love with social studies was really cool because it really allowed me to go back into those shoes and just really, really be back where I fell in love with it. And it was honestly so surreal and also really daunting at the same time to realize, <laughs> oh, these kids were like one when I was in seventh grade. Like they had like no care in the world as one kid kindly pointed out to me oh so you mean we were getting our diapers changed and so it's like yeah so it made me realize wow there's gonna come a point in my life where I'm gonna teach kids and they weren't even born when I was in the grade that yeah. I was teaching which I'm that's not the, okay with because that just makes me feel old that's the crazy thing about like like when we're growing up like I don't think we realize or we can I don't think it 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 like really sets in until you step back and you having like a conversation like this and you're like, wow, yeah. So I'm going to be teaching kids that weren't even born yet. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm wow. really not just because I, it, I feel like it's one thing, you know, when they're not born, you know, obviously they weren't born when I was born, but to know that there's going to come a time where I'm going to teach like 10th graders and they weren't even born when yeah. I was in 10th grade. Just, I don't know. It just, it really shows like just how far removed that we can be, but also how important it is to make those connections with our students and just people, because I think you might be the only person who's taking an interest in them. And I think kids need that no matter their age, but they really need it in those middle and high school years, because I think if they don't get it at home and they don't get it in those elementary years, then they're never going to get it. And I think it's such a crucial developmental piece that everyone needs in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it definitely starts at home. Um, but it does, it does also play out in schools. Um, you talk yeah. about connection. Um, elaborate a little bit more about like, what you mean by the connection with the the youth just for anyone out there listening mm -hmm. um from your yeah. perspective I think just taking an interest like talking to them and not just talking to them about did you do your homework did you you know good job on your test good job on your quiz I think just taking an interest in in them and asking them questions about their life or just complimenting them whether it be hey, I like your outfit today, or, you know, thank you for being such a great collaborator today. It goes such a long way. And I've had teachers along the way who did that. And it really boosted my confidence. And mm -hmm. it took me until actually being on that side to really just see how it can make a kid feel. And I think, and also, I also think just being real and being yourself is so important because if you're not yourself, they're going to pick up on it. Like, so so easily I mean the middle schoolers know who's being real and who's not like one of my favorite stories from my practicum it was we were teaching I was teaching about child labor and I'd gotten something in my eye and I was wiping my eye away and 
these two kids in the front were like, Miss Ernie, are you crying? I was like, no, I'm not crying. I just have something in my eye. And they're like, no, you're crying and kind of laughing. And I was like, okay, whatever. Then on my last day, I had planned to read them a poem that I wrote and some song lyrics. And so I went up to these two boys on my last day before it was my turn to for my goodbye activity. And I asked them, are you ready to make me cry today? And of course, their face was just stunned of like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, we don't want to make you cry. Like, who, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, it's my last day. So, you know, I guess you're actually going to make me cry today. And they're like, well, we, we don't want to make you cry. I was like, well, you were making fun of me a couple of weeks ago when I had something in my eyes saying I was crying when I wasn't. And they kind of laughed and were like, well, that's because you like let us make fun of you. Like other teachers don't let us make fun of them because, you know, they're adults and, you know, you actually see us for who we are. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, like if, you know, obviously there's boundaries that are important in that realm, but it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay with them. And I think just poke a little bit of fun or have some fun with them and just have honest conversations with them and just let them get to know you. I think that's so important because it lets them see you as a person rather than, oh, you're just my teacher or you're just my teacher on one on Wednesdays or you're just my practicum teacher. It's like, no, like you're actually like a person. Like I can't tell you the amount of students that like ask me who are like, if I see you like at a JMU football game or if I see you at the grocery store, can I say hi to you? I want my parents to meet you. And it's like, yeah, like you can, I like, I don't care. Like to know that like so many of them were like excited to like know that like they could see me out and about. It's like, I remember that feeling knowing that like, oh, I could see my teacher out and about, but like that they would ask if they could actually even say hi to me. I'm like, I'm not a celebrity. Like, of course you can say hi to me, but like to know that like they look forward to that. I think just kids need that. They need, they need to feel that they can actually have somebody who is an adult, but that they can almost, you know, lean on as a friend, because even though I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, but I'm also there to, you know, remind them it's okay to have a laugh. It's okay to make fun of me. It's okay to, you know, poke fun at me. But obviously there's a line that if it gets too far, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That authenticity is, uh, that's the key right there. Yeah. Because kids nowadays, they know when you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Oh, yes. They know. So if you're not ready to be authentically you, um, I'm not going to say you're going to fail because I don't ever want anybody to fail. Um, but you, you might find it pretty difficult. You're going to, it's going to be harder, I think, to really connect with the kids on such a deeper level. And I think that's the whole thing that I had going into. I was like, you know, I'm not here to be their friend. I'm not here, you know, to be buddy, buddy with them. And I'm here to, you know, not just teach. I'm also here to learn mm -hmm. and not just learn about how to be a teacher, but I'm also here to learn from them. And I think one of the things that I took going into it was I want to nurture these kids in the ways that I wasn't nurtured as a middle schooler, because I think I saw so much of me in some of these students that I was like, man, like, I just want to nurture them how I wasn't. And, you know, there, I can't, there would be times where like, some of the girls would like compliment me or, you know, tell me, you know, nice things or whatever. And it was just, there were times where I would just be like, wow, like who would have thought not only would this just be a great teaching opportunity and just experience that I get to have before being in my own classroom one day, 
but how therapeutic it was mm. for my inner child. And I think, but for me to allow that to happen, allowed me, I had to be open for it because yeah. I think if I wasn't open for it, I would have just been like, okay, well, I'm here, you know, to learn from my host teacher. I was also there to learn from my kids. And I learned so, so much from them more so than I think they realize how much I learned from them. And to this day, like, I'm so incredibly thankful that they were my first real groups of kids because they really just showed me that like, yeah, I can do this. Like I learned I can master a glare at a kid and they'll stop what they're doing. Like who I didn't ever think I would master Jordan, a teaching glare. You can do the teacher's glare. I can do the teacher's glare. What? Now oh, listen, it, for our listeners that are, you know, little new to 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 our <laughs> relationship here jordan and i go way back since like what 2016 ish 20 2017 2018 yeah listen yeah at community college we went to the bccs student leadership conference and <laughs> and we met there had a connection we've been in contact yep. ever since and when i when i say that i am so proud to know that you can do the teacher glare, I'm proud of you and at you know everything. But I mean, who would have thought like this? Like who has who has no RBF in her body at all? You don't, you don't, and that's not always that's not a bad thing. But no. you can do the teacher's glare. I know. I yes. like was shocked. Like I didn't think I would be able to do it. But there was a time I just like looked at a group of kids because I had already talked to them twice and they immediately like poked at each other like like we, we need we, we gotta stop what we're doing she's like looking at us and I'm like I did that I mean I was kind of scared for a minute I was like dang right I can't like I don't and like and then I went back over them like so how's everything going and I'm like I'm sure they're like what just happened yeah. it's like don't make me come over there and talk to you again <laughs> so so let's talk about, um, I want to get into the mental health of, yeah. of the world as well, but I wanted to do, I want to do it. And from your perspective, so some of the situations you've been dealing with, um, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about what you, some of the things you've been going through while you're on this journey to becoming a middle school, high school teacher. What are some of the challenges you faced? So I think I've always had anxiety to some degree or fashion. I think we all do. Sure, I think it sure. shows up in various ways. Um, and I've always kind of known of mental health and just being, you know, taking care of ourselves and things like that. Um, my freshman year in high school, um, unfortunately, I had two classmates of mine within less than a month pass away from suicide, which was very very daunting and a lot because it happened within literally the first two months of my freshman year of high school so it's kind of like oh like here we are November freshman year of high school you know you know trying to get the rhythm of how high school is supposed to be and then come into school and everybody's crying and it's like what's kind of going on and just feeling so helpless because I think I had known of what depression was but I don't think I was really fully equipped what 15 six what 14 15 year old really is equipped mm -hmm. for what depression is because I think 
no one can really equip you for that. I think it takes experiencing, unfortunately, things like that or being in those shoes of being depressed, but also knowing that depressed depression is not just leading to suicide and suicidal thoughts. It it's it can just be a it can show up for everybody so differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I just felt so helpless because I just was like, I don't understand. I don't know how anybody could get to that point and things like that. And then fast forward to my senior year of high school, two girls in my brother's sophomore year of high school class also passed away from suicide less than a month apart. And it was very deja vu, but like deja vu, like, oh, this actually happened. Um, And it was just very surreal to think like, oh, wow, like I've been in, I've been here before. I've been at a funeral of a classmate before. Um, And so it was just very kind of surreal. And um, then I did community college right after high school. And um, I guess my second year of community college, I started dating a guy, didn't end on the greatest of ways, um, which took a lot out of me mentally and emotionally. And I took matters into my own hands and was like, you know, I want to do what I can do to take care of myself. And so I decided to seek therapy because I felt like for me, that was what I needed to do to not put myself in a situation where I would be burdening somebody else in my life with what was going on. Because I think for me, my anxiety was at a really all-time high. I wasn't sleeping really well. I was feeling all these sorts of emotions and really didn't know how to control that because I, at the time and prior, always was like, well, I'm not avoiding emotions, but I'm kind of just suppressing them. Yeah. And have since learned from my therapist introducing me to Brene Brown that when we suppress X, Y, and Z emotions, we're actually suppressing A through X, Y, and Z emotions so we're suppressing everything else and so that was a real game changer for me to really recognize how I dealt with my emotions and allowed me to really feel my feelings which was a whole new thing for me because I was very much like okay I'm angry I don't like being angry I'll just like be angry and you know not worry about it yeah but not realizing that when I'm doing that I might not be I might not think it's showing up in other ways but it could be showing up by me being short with people I care about, being irritable, just other things. I, I, I don't think I really necessarily could have realized um, had it not been, you know, for just feeling those feelings and allowing my, and actually allowing myself to feel them. Um, and, you know, and I'm still seeing the exact same therapist that I saw after my breakup, um, been four years and I could not be more grateful um, and then fast forward to fall 2019 when I transferred to JMU, um, where my anxiety really was at an all-time high. Um, living away from home for the first time, living with people, with roommates, and just not knowing how to go through those motions. You know, I felt academically prepared because I had all these classes going in that were transferring, but I w- I hadn't met anybody that was history and education. So for me, it was like okay, where are my people? How do I find my people? And like my therapist and I kind of took a little bit of a break so I could kind of figure out JMU. And so I sought resources at our counseling center at school, um, which was nice that I was able to find a counselor there at school. But the unfortunate thing with colleges is counseling center services are only meant for short term. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, I remember having to take this like assessment and I don't know how accurate these assessments really are. It, my therapist has even said to me, she doesn't know how accurate these assessments are of like, you know, have you like, you know, have you felt, you know, increased sadness in the last two weeks and like you rate yourself on a scale of like zero to five. And I remember one of those days, my counselor, you know, showing me and my depression was really high. And I kind of was like, well, no, like I'm not depressed. Like I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want that label, none of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting together with my brother and like talking to him about it. And he was like, well, what would be wrong if it was depression? Like depression's not just suicide. And I, and I just remember having a full-fledged just breakdown of just crying with my brother in my living room of like you know like yeah and and I and I didn't have the healthiest living situation and so I think for me I was just I was so I felt so isolated and this was before COVID so like I kind of joke now I isolated before it was cool (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can make joke about it now at the time I probably definitely wouldn't have but yeah and I mean I want and here and I want to say too like it wasn't all, like that all the time. That's the thing I think with mental health is it comes in waves. It comes in fluctuations. It's never a, it can be a stagnant thing and it can be a prolonged thing, but I, but it's not usually something where it's like, oh, it happens all the time. Or when you're with people that make you feel good and you're excited and you're happy, you're thinking about that. But I think there were definitely times where it was like, you know, when I would go home for weekends, I would cry, you know, majority of the weekend because I would dread going back before even getting in the car to leave to come back. Yeah. And so I think, but really just allowing myself to be okay that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to be okay at the same time. That's kind of my therapist and my motto Mm -hmm. that it's okay to not be okay and okay at the same time that you cannot be okay, but also still just be okay. Like, do I have a roof over my head? Do I, you know, are things okay enough that, you know, I'm functioning more than somebody else, but is, but am I not okay? Because I'm just, I'm in a rut. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. Um, I fully believe that two things can be true at the same time. Always. Like is it's, we are in such a, a mindset of like a society and as a whole that it has to be this or that and I don't think that it always has to be this or that I think it can be this and that yeah this and like is yes we don't have to to boil it down to it being just one singular thing when we're feeling a multitude of things, we should be able to feel it all, know that it is all okay. And then we're going to figure out how to, you know, how to be good with what's good and then how to, you know, deal with what's not so good to bring that up to be a good as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So, so let's, uh, you talked about feeling your feelings. Is that mm-hmm. something that you've struggled with in the past? Um, is it something that, you know, you shied away from? Oh, absolutely. I think I'm, I don't like getting angry. I don't like being upset. 
or mad or things like that because it's so, for me for such a long time it's such an unfamiliar feeling I think predominantly because I'm such a people pleaser I want to make sure other people are taken care of so when I get upset and mad I'm like well no if I'm mad and upset then they're going to get mad and upset with me because I'm mad and upset with them when it's taken me a long time to realize like it's okay for me to be upset and say that someone's hurt my feelings Absolutely. it's okay for me to say I don't like what someone's doing and stand up for myself I think you know for so long I was like well I can't I can't do that because I was so afraid of what other people might think about that when mm -hmm. at the at the end of the day like if they hurt my feelings why should I be so fixated on what I think that they're gonna think about them hurting my feelings if they don't like that then that's more of a reflection on them and I need to reevaluate that situation on, on a different day yeah that sounds like a personal problem that's what I love to say that sounds like a pp what's that a yes. personal problem that personal problem doesn't have anything to do with me so you yes. deal with that over there I'm gonna deal with me over here and maybe sometime we can we can rock or whatever but yeah. right now you have some things you need to deal with and I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to depart from your life for a little while. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's just how it has to be. Yes. Um, can you tell me about a time when you felt like you needed to recover quickly uh, from a challenge and what it was that made you want to, you know, keep going when, when things weren't looking so so great so good I think the first thing that really comes into my mind is spring 2020 and realizing I did not want to live with my roommates and was and really realized this is not serving me this is not helping me this is causing more damage that and I think for me it was a matter of okay like just because now at that moment and for that whole entire semester even though it got cut short because of covid we weren't speaking i had to figure out okay just because we're not speaking i am in charge of myself and being with myself and that's something i've struggled with was being alone and being by myself and leaning on myself and allowing myself to lean on others i know i have a wonderful support system and have wonderful people in my corner but I think really allowing myself to lean on those people that are around me and letting them come into my into what is going on. And I think it just allowed me to just be more kind to myself and care more about me and be a little bit selfish because I had never really thought that being a little bit selfish was a good thing. I always thought, well, no, I have to make sure other people are taken care of when at the end of the day, it's okay to be a little bit selfish and you know even fast forwarding when I was in my middle school practicum this past fall semester one of the main things I told all of my all of my kids was hey our my goal for our time together is to be kind to others and be kind to yourself and so if I found myself being hard on myself not being nice I would kind of stop myself and be like wait would I want my seventh graders to hear how I'm talking to myself right now and if I said no it was a really good mental check-in to be like, well, what makes that okay? Because yeah. I'm not, I'm not owning my word to them by telling them I want them to be nice to themselves. 
So what good does that do me if I'm not doing that for myself? Because I said it was our my goal for our time together. And I think it just allowed me to just be more honest with myself and to really just nurture and take care of me because I can't expect somebody else to do it if I can't do it myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Self, um, I think one of the biggest shams, one of the biggest shams that besides adulthood and growing up in general, that was a uh, real ghetto of us to ever think like, I cannot wait till I grow up and and kids still think that. Like, I I mean, one of my middle schoolers was like, is being an adult fun? No. <laughs> I just was like, fun is not the word I would use to describe it, but just all I could tell them was like, just enjoy where you are. Enjoy just, where you and are. And just, just enjoy where you are because I know what it, because like, I know what it felt like to be in that position of like, I can't wait till I'm older. But I was like, just be where you are because like right now, where you are is where you're meant to be. Yeah. And and I think had somebody told me that, yeah, I probably would be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I think it's also something, so it's something simple rather than telling them, yeah, no, and telling them all the bad things. Because I don't want to yeah. scare them away. Yeah, adulthood is amazing. But it's a lot. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> ever want. Adulthood can be, can be um, very rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah. Very rewarding. Um, at the same time, adulthood comes with its set of challenges, which I personally think that a lot of the challenges we face as adults was from our our child, as in yes. us as a child being traumatized, being, you know, abused, being just not dealt with and handled with care. Like, like, like I see and I applaud parents that do it now and the one way that parents are able to do that now is because they were those children who were left behind who were who weren't really loved the way they necessarily should have been loved um and they are bringing a new they are changing the way they parent and changing yes. the way we parent as a whole you yes. know I was just, I forget who it was I was talking talking to. Um, but I said, you know, I'm a we're all very, very unique individuals, and we all come with our own set set of baggage. Um, we we have our we have our load. And I was like, I blame, I said, I blame, I blame our parents. And and it's and it's and it's like laughable, but at the same time, there is like some some very very honest and hard truth in that statement like sure when we get older now it is up to us to change the course it's up to us to change the narrative it's up to us to become better that does not negate the fact that what someone had um has gone through as a child you know they they have to heal from that and we have to yeah. heal from that so yeah, adulthood, uh, adulthood is real interesting, you know. Yes, and no one can prepare you for it. And I think no, even if even if someone tries to, we all have our own trajectory of things that are going to be so different than what we think. And I think just enjoying where people are is where they're meant to be. And 
it's and I and I think it's so easy to say now as an adult, yes, but I also think it's just something that is useful to be told of like you are meant to be where you are right now. Absolutely. Do not try to rush it. Like it's not it's it's not something that you want to rush because mm -hmm. I think there are so many people, I think unfortunately, who have to grow up so fast. Yeah. What whatever the situation may be. And I think if somebody can tell somebody just to be where they are now to, you know, is so important to, because it can just allow people to just be a little bit more present rather than, you know, because who knows some, there might be something that forces somebody to grow up a lot faster than they need to. But if you can be where you are now, it is right on to be okay right there. Yeah, absolutely. 100% be where you are now in the moment. And that goes for children and adults alike. Yes. Everything is not always rainbows and unicorns, but everything also isn't always cloudy days and um, yep. misery. So one of my paintings in my room, it says stars can't shine without darkness. One of my best friends gave me that. And she said that to me repeatedly my first semester when I transferred here. And it is so true that stars can't shine without darkness Absolutely. and the sun has to set to rise again. Yep. It has to keep, yes, the cycle, the cycle of life. You know, we have our ups, we have our downs, but we continue to go through that cycle every single day. Um, yep. I wish I had, I wish I had, I don't wish I had because I am who I am today because of what I had gone through in the past. But had I had this mindset, like this, it's just a cycle, Aaron. You yeah. know, it is, it's not, it doesn't have to be the end of your life. And that's heavy. It does not have to be the end of your life. And I repeated that because I want, I want that right there. I want people to understand that it doesn't have to be the end of your life. There's so much, there's more out here. There's more out here. There's more good, there's more bad, but at the end of the day, there is more. Yep. You know, you just have to figure out, find your anchor and hold on to it like a son of a gun. Yes. And never, 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 never let it go. Yeah. And find something that you can look forward to. I know for me, that was something that really helped me get there was having just something to look forward to in a day, mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, the sun's going to be shining today. And obviously that could change because I am in the mountains and it can just open up the sky and be downpouring. But just having little things to look forward to, like having lunch with a friend, going and seeing a professor who has office hours, who I, you know, like to chat with, or, you know, just something. I think just finding something that gets you going to have to look forward to can be all the difference even if it's as simple as getting in my bed at the end of the day and going to sleep at night you know there's nothing wrong with that but just finding one thing that can make you look forward to for that day find the one thing that makes everything worth it yes love it love it love it love it love it okay jordan we're going to wrap it up, but I have, first of all, I'm going to hold my one question. Do okay. you have anything you would like to say to the people 
at all. Anything you want them to know about you, about life? I think find people that you can be safe around. I think right now more than ever, we're not just in a viral pandemic. We are in a mental health epidemic and it has been going on for a while. Um, but, and I think just finding people that you can be safe around. Um, after there was a lot of recent events that happened at JMU, it really made me just evaluate how thankful I am to have the people that I have in my life and calling them up and telling them that I love them and that I care about them. And, you know, it shouldn't take a tragedy to have something like that happen. But I think for me, it just was a matter of, you know, the people that I have in my life, I'm very thankful for. I, you know, one of the people I called was a former professor of mine who I had when I first transferred here to JMU. And I just called her and was like, you know, thank you for being my safe place when I transferred here. Because without that, I, my trajectory at JMU would have been a lot different. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful. And she and I joke now, we have an inside joke that her office is my favorite place to cry. Because <laughs> when I first met her, um, I cried in her office and I don't cry a lot in front of people, especially people I don't know. Um, and I cried in her office. And so now we joke that her office is my favorite place to cry. And so when she finally came back after teaching online for several semesters with COVID, I went into her office and I was like, oh, it's so nice to be back in my, the favorite, my favorite place to cry on campus. And she was like, oh my God, I totally forgot. And I was like, no, like, how can you forget? Like, I literally cry, like meeting you as I'm telling you how, like, just everything is what, what's going on for me. But she created that environment where I could. And I think just finding those people that just make you feel safe and just make you feel seen and who make you feel important. Because I think it's so important to just lean on others and and allow them to so you can lean on them because I think yeah you know being that having friends that can help you when you know you're overwhelmed yeah but do you have people that you can let in when you're not yourself who will show up for you who will help hold you accountable but also who you can actually just be that honest authentic self with absolutely those people you never want to let go like Aaron is that one of those for me and i honestly and I think if you can't find that I hope people know that they can find that in us I mean I feel like that sounds like I'm tooting my own horn like you can come to me you can lean on me I'm so great but no I don't ever want anybody in their life to feel like that they can't lean on somebody and so if they if anybody can find support anybody can find support in somebody they, it might not be professional you know we're not trained men for mental health services but we can be there and be a safe place if you need somebody to lean on. And I think just having a safe person to lean on is a lot in which we need in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to say I'm not a, I'm not a trained expert, but I have hella experience. <laughs> I'm not, yes, I'm not a trained expert in the mental health field whatsoever, but I have so much experience and so much perspective to share with anyone who wants to hear it. So Jordan has been an amazing person that I've kept in my orbit uh, for a long time now. And I hope she knows she's not going anywhere. 
just want to throw that out no there. you can't get rid of me you're stuck with me for life so you're stuck with me for life too like I it's will. fine oh well i can think of i can think of worse people so you know I think we all think <laughs> the know. worst people in our yeah. we won't go there because listen, this is why I always not, not audit your orbit. Yep. Audit your orbit, guys. All right, Jordan. What is your definition of resilience? <sighs> I think striving to be the best you can be in a moment. Because I think I had to, I had to be told, not harshly, but I had to have the hard realization that my best is not going to look the same, no matter what I'm doing. And if I'm doing what I feel I can do in that moment is my best, that's okay. And I think doing what is your best in a moment, even if that is as simple as brushing your teeth and getting dressed or changing your underwear for the day. I don't care because it's so important. Like I'll never forget my, one of my sessions when I was here at school and just not feeling like I was doing enough and just feeling really hard. I was just really hard on myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember my counselor stopping me and was like, how'd you get here today? And I was like, I took the bus. And she was like, okay, how are you getting home? And I was like, taking the bus and she's like okay um what are you doing for dinner and I was like probably just pasta like I usually do or something and she's like see you got yourself here today you 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 got yourself here you know you figured out what time you needed to get here and you took the bus to get here and it was just one of those realizations of like you know celebrating just the small things. And I think we often forget those small things because it's just, it's just habit. We just do it. But actually just being okay with that and just beginning your day with a beautiful mindset. I think just starting your day and knowing it's a new one. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be great all the time. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to fall down a flight of stairs like I've done before. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means just finding just little things that kind of make you happy you know my therapist and I do the little we do an exercise called the little things where we just reflect on the little things and she's even encouraged me to just do it in my journal to just write out the little things that are good in my day oftentimes it's sometimes it's simple as it's sunny today or I changed my thoughts mm -hmm. but you know what that is more if that's what I can do for that moment that's what I can do and not being so hard on myself because we've all endured so much within the last two years that I think being okay with what we're doing and we are only one person. We can't, we can't be perfect all the time because nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, thank you so very much always hanging out with us today yes of so course glad always so glad to have you on thank you for tuning into this week's episode of resilience and action the podcast with your host aaron brown and i want you to remember resilience and action will always lead us to a greater human experience until next time